You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, and now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey Janoff. Hello, hello. Hello. And we also have Peggy Haslack joining us of our Seattle office. Say hi, Peggy. Hello there. Perfect. And Peggy is joining us today because she is kind of our in-house expert on all things like gender equality and all that good stuff. And I try to stay up on this, but Peggy is much better at it, more in tune with current news and things like that. All of us in the firm had kind of looked over some job loss data from December of 2020. We're recording this in early January of 2021. And it's kind of astounding. The the statistics that came out regarding how many people lost jobs, but also how that was disproportionately affecting women and people of color. And basically, it came down to, when you look at the statistics, all of the 140,000 jobs that were lost in December were lost by women and people of color. And that's huge. That's insane. It shows how this pandemic is disproportionately affecting people that were already probably struggling to maintain equality in the workforce anyway. So we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about that. So... Peggy, can you give us a little bit more insight in that specific study? And then we'll kind of delve into how this affects our clients and and our lives, too. Right. Uh, Well, thank you. Uh, Yeah, the last few months has been uh, pretty amazing to see the job loss numbers and who has affected. And it goes to the types of work that a majority of women and people of color do. They do hospitality. They do uh, retail. They do a lot of client-facing jobs. Well, unfortunately, with this pandemic, the option for client facing is not something that they can do. So they end up losing their job when they do massive layoffs. But I want to go before the pandemic and look at some of these things, because it's also when you're looking at those fields that haven't been hit with the attrition, but still have some of the same problems and what the pandemic has done, it's almost like putting that magnifying glass on it. And, you know, it's shining the sunlight through the magnifying glass on the problem and it's beginning to burn. Um, and it goes to uh, already the women are put into a predicament of having to juggle at home and work. They are also the caregivers. So when you put in, take in individuals like uh, uh, female physicians who their job is to go and take care of people in the hospital. But then when they come home from work, their job is not done. They've now got to go to their second job, which is taking care of the kids um, and taking care of their parents and making the meals and making sure everything is done. So when you're talking about who can the the stresses they're under that's one thing but the other part is is there's this kind of you know i guess it's a way people look at the role that the, the mother plays in the household and the role that the father plays in the household and i've heard this a couple times 
and it's we're going to keep this person on or we're going to um, promote this person because they they have a family to take care of financially but when it comes to the you know roll up the sleeves work that gets put on to the spouse now when you took take people of color oftentimes the breadwinner of the household is the female is the person who is you know got the st uh, steady job and is concerned about the welfare welfare of the family so when they make comments like that they don't say anything because they like no i can't afford to lose this but they end up in the long run actually losing the job absolutely and i think like you bring up a very good point that these people are on the front lines or our clients are on the front lines dealing with patients that need a lot of care and it's very stressful especially for people that are in certain sectors of of being doctors like the internal medicine doctors the er doctors the pulmonary and critical care doctors like anyone dealing with patients in the icu it's insane out there right now and just having to deal with that additional financial burden or you know if you have children having to deal with the additional burden of, of figuring out where you're going to put them during the day that's safe or how to manage their distance learning if they're in school all of that kind of stuff like everyone is dealing with these problems but i think for healthcare professionals specifically just trying to juggle the additional demands of work plus the additional demands of of home like i, I honestly i don't know how a lot of people are doing it and a lot of those home duties do fall on women and i think that our clientele are probably a little bit different from the norm because you know, I have a lot of female physician clients who have stay-at-home partners that take care of kids and things like that, too. So there's a lot of, like, non-traditional things that go on with our clientele. But still, I, I do see a lot of this affecting women in my practice as well. Like, you can kind of see how it, it trickles down, and there's maybe not the, the same impact as there is on, like, lower-income jobs, but there's still a big impact. Yeah, I, I know. The best example is probably yeah. the dual doc couple where both spouses um, are doctors and during this pandemic due to all the things everyone's been dealing with with the stay-at-home school and child care issues we've seen more often than not the female partner is the one who either goes from full-time to part-time or part-time to no time and, and quits to, to be at home with the kids or to help out more with the kids because of that child care constraint so I think that's probably at least in the physician space that I've seen with my clients directly, the most common theme it's in there. The every, it's in the every industry space. And it's, it, <laughs> it, and it's the, also the, the checklist, you know, of all these things need to be done. So if the, 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 who's making that checklist? And so you go through a couple times and the spouse comes home and it's, you know, oh, that's for dinner or, you know, was this done or that wasn't done. And a lot of times it's just, you know what, it's easier for me to do it myself. And I, I faced this recently with the care from my mother. Um, my sister is a frontline worker, and she really tried to juggle it. So, so the problem is, is you come home from work, and first of all, you've been exposed to COVID. Chances are, you know. So now you've got to go in and say, okay, I've got to go in and take care of my family, but I also don't want them to have COVID. So I'm going to be telling directions on there. And finally get to the point where I say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to take time off to work to deal with this because I'm the only one who knows how to deal with this. Or the, the, we don't have time to have that learning curve. Um, 
and it's more stress on trying to juggle the arrangements as well as the work as well as provide the care. So uh, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things that happens in a lot of financial stresses where it's like, all right, I just have to step away. It's going to be tough financially, but the stress of trying to make everything work is not going to, it, it's not sustaining. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gets back to your point about pre-pandemic, you know, these issues are present. It, it, more often than not, it's the woman who's taking on those responsibilities. And, you know, at least for the clientele that we see, it's often at the onset of the career, once kids come into the picture is usually that catalyst. The woman often will take the backseat career-wise, even if she's still continuing to work or, or work full-time, let's go join a practice where the demands are less rigorous or I'm just going to work you know, 0.75 FTE so that I can you know, take on those additional responsibilities unpaid outside of work that keep you know, the family and, and the world spinning. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's not just a, a 2020 leading into 2021 issue i think that's this is just like you said magnified what's already been going on forever really yeah <laughs> and, and and we have an overworked culture that's it i mean yeah. it's it's kind of everything's measured not by your, your productivity not by it's how much are you there are you present are you really attacking it and unfortunately i do feel that a lot of people who are nervous or really absolutely need to have the hours in the job don't t take practice self-care because it's, it's like I can't afford to lose this job so it's they get a little bit more it, it's a lot more stress when you know that you are your family's counting on you and yet you're dealing with all these obligations both at work and at home and is that overwork culture specific to America or is that something with those issues or are we seeing the same issues here during the pandemic worldwide? I don't know if you know the answer, but like, is are people in Europe having to, you know, do we see more women than men scaling back or quitting? I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, and I think that's also the problem with dealing with stats because how people interpret it mm -hmm. is totally different around everywhere. And everybody is focusing on the stats and it's really, let's talk about the not the not the um, results or the diagnosis of what's wrong. The quantitative what data. Caused it. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Let's go to the more. Let's go to the actual. Uh, what What are the symptoms? Why? How are we treating these symptoms? What caused this to happen in the first place? I think that's also really hard with what we're going through right now because the data that we have regarding job losses and things like that, while it's happening, it's not going to be that good. Like a, a lot of that kind of research is done looking backwards. So we won't necessarily have great data about job losses in 2020 until a little farther down the road when studies have been completed and when we like kind of have more information than we have right now. But we can look at some of the past research to kind of extrapolate what what might be happening right now and and honestly it's it's kind of guessing but i think it makes sense like it's intuitive to a certain extent like if we look at women physicians as a whole we know that there's a gender pay gap we know that it, it's bigger than the average pay gap i think that the average pay gap right now for women versus men in the united states is like women make 80 cents on the dollar even when we're controlling for like career types and things like that and then for physicians, it's like 70 cents on the dollar 
comparing like across specialties and things like that. Um, and I think, again, that data, like when we're looking at statistics, how we interpret them is, is a big deal. So maybe that data is not perfect either, but there is a wage gap. And if there is a wage gap, and if the woman is making less than the man is making, even if we take out all of these childcare issues where like maybe women are taking on some of that, that more, I don't know, mentally intense work <laughs> as, as child caregivers. But even if we take that out of the picture, if you make less than your partner and one of you needs to work less, the person that works less is going to be the person or that makes less money that is contributing less financially. So a lot of this stuff just builds on top of itself or, and it just starts to, to snowball because the second someone takes a step back at work and maybe works less or maybe takes time out of the job place, it it's so much harder to break back in and especially to break back in at the level that you were at when you left. Like you might have to stay, take a step back in your career, maybe – you know, these these jobs are so intense and they are so, like, driven by, like, what procedures have you performed recently? Like, how in touch are you with the, the current medical knowledge that taking a step back can be really difficult? Okay. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. You would think that the person who is has the higher salary would be the one who would step back. But oftentimes with physician and actually another field that we see this is in the tech field, um, the women will still be the ones who step back, cut Even if they are making more money. Even if they are making more money, again, because they know how to manage the household budget and they, uh, they deal with it in that way. But also because uh, I think it's a, how women approach the, the workplace. It's, it's be, you know, be quiet you know don't don't be emotional because that's a that's a key word and if you're starting to talk about how tough it is uh, it's not a conversation people like to have and it's not a conversation supervisors like to talk about either because all of a sudden somebody's not happy and they're under a lot of stress and that's in the uh, they're worried that my supervisor's going to think I'm not going to be able to handle this. I'm not going to be able to make decisions. So I'm just going to be quiet about everything. Do you think that, like, speaking of getting to the root of the cause to help solve the problem, do you think that may be part of it? Like, women are just, you know, tend to keep things more bottled up than men, you know, and aren't as confrontational and not saying like they're like sabotaging themselves, but like to some degree it's, it, it, potentially is impacting that either the gender pay gap or the career advancement or things of that nature? I I do. I think it's because it's also how the conversation is presented and the biases are in the conversation. I remember a very uh, particular conversation that I was involved in and it was, uh, I, I was actually listening from outside the door and this was in my old job, and um, we had quite a few LGBT, you know, lesbian women working for the company. And then um, these two supervisors were talking, and one of them says, doesn't it bother you that you have so many women, women like this who work for the company? And the other boss goes, no, no, actually it doesn't, because they're the hardest workers we have. Um, and it's, but when it comes to, again, when it came to, uh, compensation or promotion in those same individuals had it we're going to go ahead and promote this guy here because he's got a family you don't have a family 
you know. Uh, so you don't have the same concerns. The other part is women know how to figure it out. That's the other one I hear all the time. It's, you know, they, they'll find a place to go. They can do something else. And it's, well, wait a minute. We, we broke our, uh, you know, broke our backs to get these uh, credentials to go through the school. And oftentimes going through the school was the same things they're dealing with the job today. A child, a family, all those things. And, and uh, women of color have probably the most credentials um, of a lot of uh, women who have advanced degrees. And that's because that's the way they can try to get that increase in pay. But that's still not a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. And I do think that there is something to be said for, for women not necessarily advocating for themselves the way that, that men would expect them to. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that there is a perception that what they ask for is not going to be deemed legitimate. And if that's the problem, then that's something that's probably coming from above. Like, people need to understand that their concerns are legitimate. But if, if in the past it seemed like that wasn't a legitimate concern, then people edit themselves. And that, that happens a lot, I think, in, in employment situations. And again, like Peggy said, women try to figure it out on their own. Instead of asking their employer for support, they're like, this is on me to figure out. And they take it on and they try to figure it out themselves. And, and sometimes that means reducing your work schedule, you know, not working anymore. <laughs> yeah. Who are they having the conversations with, too? I mean, there's a lot of women in healthcare, but how many women are in leadership in healthcare? Yeah. And it's the same, you know, it's even the financial services. We don't have very many women, and we even have less women in leadership. So if you're in a conversation and you know you're the the people who are making these decisions are you know all men or all white men for that matter then you know are they going to be sympathetic or are, is that person going to say I don't you know I don't have a chance here I don't have a chance here and I don't play golf with uh, uh, the doctor you know the other doctors every week so i don't get the exposure to those individuals and uh, again they just kind of step back and say it's too important for me to keep this job it's too important for me to work until they get to a point where they can't do it anymore yeah i've heard other um like studies or, or i'd have to do some digging to find the sources but like when, when women do get into those leadership positions or so precious and hard to come by that well, it probably unconsciously maybe just to try and you know show that they're worth it to their male counterparts they often end up suppressing other women within that organization or field because you know you don't want to promote your replacement potentially um so it's kind of like a a, a self-fulfilling prophecy almost that uh, you know and i think this gets back to that unconscious bias um, you know, which a, a lot of, due to the events in 2020, a lot of industries and companies have really tried to, to implement training measures and learn more about. Uh, but some of the stuff, like I don't think the wage gap is necessarily intentional. Like in, in this day and age, no one is, says we are intentionally going to pay our women workers less than our male workers. Like that, you, you go to jail for that. <laughs> like, it, but it just you kind of happens. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and it's like, why does it happen? I think is the big question. And if we could understand and recognize when those um, you know, scenarios are playing themselves out, we can potentially try and nip it in the bud early and not, you know, let it uh, you know, transpire. Yeah, I would debate on the the uh, justify, uh, I would debate on the fact that women are intentionally paid less. Okay. Um, and I think, and, I, and but because there is justifications that happen. Okay. All the way down the line, there are these little justifications. So it might not be a an active one. Again, it's this this bias this, that is mm -hmm. there the entire time. I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I had one supervisor, this woman was promoted into a position of COO of a company and uh, they were trying to mm, they had issues with harassment in the company so and they also had issues with a dei in their in this particular company and i remember she said she was put in charge of all the women and she said to all the women in the room i'm not going to give you any special breaks because nobody in the company is going to get any special breaks going forward and everybody looked at her and said oh okay so there's the good old boys but they're isn't there's no not going to be the good old girls and you're going to have try to hold the same standard to everybody we're not there it's not going to happen and sure enough it didn't happen uh and she wasn't in her position very long one thing yeah. that i sometimes think about which is maybe maybe a tiny bit outside the box is that part of the problem is not necessarily that how do I want to say this? So, sure, women are expected to take on more of the caregiving, et cetera. And when you ask for that at work, like maybe that seems like it, it's too much and you're fulfilling a prophecy that women work less and so that you're less valuable, et cetera, et cetera. I like to look at the flip side of that and think about how there are a lot of men who probably do want to take on more caregiving at home, but their employer expects them to not have that responsibility. And the fact that your employer expects you to be there all the time because you're the man and you're earning the money and there's no like flexibility for you to be able to handle soccer pickups and early days off at school and, and like preschool is out because of COVID. So maybe someone needs to stay home. I do think that there has been more flexibility this past year than there ever has been before. But I still think that often employers expect like if you have kids and you're a man, you have a wife there that's going to deal with it for you. And I've, I felt like I experienced that at home this past year where my husband and I were both at home, but like his employer would schedule meetings for like the next morning at 10 a.m. and expect him to just be able to deal with that where we had like a planned out schedule where I had time that I was supposed to be able to work and he had time that he was supposed to be able to work. And it, it didn't matter. Like if, if he was expected to be on a phone call 12 hours later, like that was it. There was no flexibility for him at all. And I think that a lot of people, like if, if he were a woman, it would have been like, oh, well, she has kids to deal with. But for him, it was like, yeah, you're going to be there. And I, yeah, that's very frustrating to me personally, I will say. You know, and I got to tell you something. That's not, it's not, it's not in just um, uh, heterosexual relationships. It's also in, mm -hmm. in LGBT yeah. too, yeah. because there was the person yeah. who does that, you know, who plays that role in the household. I mean, I got that today because our power was out. I normally work at home. All of a sudden we have to deal with who's going to deal, who's going to take care of the dogs. And it's like, whoa, I, 
you you can't take the dog. I couldn't take the dogs with me to the office. So it's like, guess what? You have to change your schedule today to deal with the dogs. And it's, mm-hmm. wow, that's really tough. You're asking me to do that? And it's like, and, and the guilt, there's, it's the guilt, the guilt part too. Wow, I really hate asking because every time I ask or every time I say, can you take care of whatever the household chore is, I get this guilt piece that, you know, I even asked. And that's what I think mm-hmm. women need to get over with. If you want to talk about uh, empowering women is learning how to ask, learning how to ask for help, learning how to communicate exactly what is going on in their world so people understand that, you know what? Because oftentimes what I hear happening is, is if you start presenting it in the way of how you're dealing with it, people will sit back and go, gosh, I never thought of it that way. And I think we can think about some some little things that we can do differently that would help a lot with this situation. And to your point, Peggy, I think planning the household activities and care together makes it much more obvious and much more transparent, like who's taking on what. And when you come from a position where you just understand that a little bit better, I think it immediately probably would lead to a more even distribution of, of those kinds of activities and and responsibilities. And then on the employer side, I think having similar expectations for your male and female employees regarding like what kind of flexibility they need if they do have children or if they do have other responsibilities at home or someone else that they're caring for. You know, giving giving both equal flexibility so that people can do that and then making it very clear to your employees that if they need something if they need flexibility that you are the person that they should be coming to talk to and and demonstrating that that's okay like there has to be actual action behind that you can't just say that and then when someone comes to you you're like well no that's not going to work for me for you to have five hours off on friday for this reason or whatever like if there's no action behind it then obviously nothing's changing it's just lip service Anything else you can think of, Peggy, that would be helpful? Actually, it goes to before you make that decision to leave. And let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about what we do. I mean, our job is we're financial advisors, and and Rochelle, you and I understand this because we we are we are you know the people who do this in our household, and we also have the care responsibilities that come into the household. Um, and so, what I say is have a conversation not just about how you're going to get by from day to day but also how you're going to deal with if um and these are the questions that we had to deal with what are we going to do with when when mom gets COVID? you know at a 91 year old mother when are you going to deal how are you going to deal with this now um that came about because of COVID. So we have to have that conversation. When are we going to deal with who's going to take care of the child who gets sick? Who's going to get take care of the mother who's going to get sick? Who's going to take care of, I mean, what happens if we get sick and we can't work? So sitting down and having all of those plans and lifestyle planning, so things like life insurance and disability, thank God, you know, a lot of the people we work with, that's one of the things that they do because... If they're doing it and something happens to them, now it puts a lot more stress on the household. 
So really working towards plans for living and plans for all the what ifs. Um, but doing it early enough too, because I've had a couple of people say, well, I'll take my chances or I'm young and healthy. Well, we don't know how COVID is gonna affect disability insurance, life insurance going forward. So are we gonna wait and see, you know, what the underwriters decide to do two, three, four years from now? Or are we gonna get things in place so that we know that that's not something we even have to think about two, three, four years from now? Yeah, good point. So we still, a lot of unknowns with the ramifications of this virus and you know what the long-term impacts could be yeah the communication piece i think is for just all walks of life having those open lines of communication like you said rochelle actually like following through on your promises if you're saying hey if, if you have an issue come talk to me well then make sure that you're gonna accommodate the issue um you know, rather than just shut it down so uh I think yeah, having that having that communication, and then, you know, from the you know the woman side of it, make sure that they're not afraid to speak up and and have that and start those conversations. Like that's something my wife and I, you know, all spouses get in arguments. I mean, there, I don't think there's a single <laughs> couple out there that doesn't have the occasional argument or, or, or spat. And a lot of it just boils down to the communication. You know, it's like, you don't do this, you don't do that. It's like, you know, you haven't helped me with this. Well, you didn't ask me to. So just ask. If you ask, I'd be happy to do it, you know? Oh, Corey, <laughs> yeah, <don't>. mansplaining. <laughs> yeah, mansplaining. <laughs> no, that's, exactly. that's like my favorite one, though. That's my favorite one. Just ask. And it's like, I want you to think about it and then do it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my our problem. Lindsay's response think. to you, Corey. <laughs> Thank you. No, yeah, my unintentionally misogynist answers there. <laughs> another, another thing is find people who understand what your situation and who can help facilitate the conversation. That helps and that's too. something that we can do. Yeah. I mean, we can help facilitate the conversation. I've been in some um, very interesting joint work meetings, not with this firm, with another firm where I was in. And uh, some of the stuff that was said was like draw dropping in terms of. <laughs> The, the expectations or the financial, um, I even had a client who is a, uh, who is a uh, doctor who wanted to start her own practice. And that's another way they're dealing with the gender, gender gap, is I can do my own practice, I can, I can do it that way. And she's having a conversation with a financial advisor and her spouse looks at her, she goes, oh, my CPA said I should get a SEP. And the uh, spouse looked at the, uh, uh, the doctor and said, you don't make enough money. And so she just kind of sat back and was like, oh boy, they're really. And so she starts taking notes. And now from that point on, the whole conversation was with the male financial advisor. Um, this woman makes $23,000 a month. I think she had plenty to put in this set. <laughs> Max it out. But she, ended, she ended up walking away from that, and, and there were bigger problems that, uh, within their situation. But the long story of, short of it was it, uh, the financial advisor didn't pick up on that and take the conversation and facilitate it in a way that she was listened to and that um, to you know, answer her concerns uh, and prompt more question, uh, prompt more information about what she was hoping to accomplish. 
so in our obligation in this industry is to to understand what women go through because the conversation will happen in our heads so we're going to have to have it with somebody but it must be it'd be better for us to have it you know with everybody in the room so we uh we're all on the same plane of what's going on and just having these conversations more openly like we're doing right now is helpful because it just brings to light unknown you know feelings thoughts concerns etc so even if there's not really Absolutely. an end objective in mind just having that understanding is powerful more transparency is never going to be a problem. I mean, I think that some people have argued in the past that transparency around wages and things like that is problematic because, you know, you don't want to have to just like the employer doesn't want to have to justify why they pay someone differently. But you should have to justify it. And I think there should be a lot more transparency about about pay and about gender roles and about, you know, shared activities at home. All of that kind of stuff, I think, would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The non-economic value of everything else that happens in a person's life needs to be mm-hmm. discussed. And that's, those would be the takeaways. Is one is ask for help, and two is don't be afraid to have a frank conversation about um, your perspective of what, you know, how I'm perceiving our situation is, or how I'm perceiving what is happening, so we can have those conversations. So, and to your point on the the wages, oh yeah, that's an old that's an old HR stunt that was done a long time ago to prevent people from asking each other what what they got paid for the same for the same work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we get it, guys. The struggle is real. If you had to, you know, work less this year, if you had to quit your job, it happened. Hopefully, like if you want to get back to work, hopefully we can help you do it and you can help yourself do it. But it's just it, it was a rough year for everybody it was we're hoping 2021 yeah. is uh get stuff done in 2021 so <laughs> there we go well thanks for joining us peggy oh thank you it's good to have me. you i appreciate it okay we would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover you can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following finity group on facebook twitter instagram linkedin and youtube at finity group llc you can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance, or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast, on our Affinity Group YouTube channel, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to check out our financial clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC. 